for Fantasy Football Weekly on KFAN, presented by Devonis. Your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Fantasy Football Weekly is also brought to you by Grain Belt Premium, No Name Butcher Quality Meats, Honda, Town Hall Family, and by the Park Tavern. Now, now, along with Fanball and League Safe's Matt Harrison and Brian Johnson, here's Paul Charchian. Good morning. It is Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan. I am Paul Charchian. Uh, no Matt Harrison. Scott Fish in today. Welcome back, Scott. Hey, nice to be here. And my almost every week co-host, Brian Johnson. I missed one. Yeah, I, I, know, well, I, I can't say every week anymore. You made the choice to <laughs> yep. not do one of the shows. I can't help that. It was worth it. Virtually every week. What's up, boys? Uh, I hope you had a good time, whatever you did. I we don't remember. He was watching Stranger Things 2 with his mom that weekend, I think. <clears throat> oh, <that sounds laughs> Isn't that right. special? Yeah. That's nice. Uh, plenty to get to uh, over the course of the show, of course. And it's it's all the stuff that you're used to hearing. You know, we don't throw a lot of curveballs into the action um, at, at, uh, at and once we get into our regular season groove. Because, frankly, we think we know what you want. You want not you want the five hot questions. You want the nine players you can, upon whom you can take a chance. You would like to hear some premature speculation. This is it for premature speculation, by the way. This is the last week of it, so we got to make it good. Lightning round, and we'll break down all the matchups fantasy style. So plenty to get to. We already have half our phone lines taken up, but we wow. will try to work in calls. And I think we should. I think we should have time to be able to work in some because three games already over. That helps a lot. It's it's a little bit like having some bye week action as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, next week things get hairy, unfortunately. Let's jump right into the matchups. Panthers will take on the New York Jets. Scott, are we going to get the good Cam Newton or the bad Cam Newton? Because when he's on, <laughs> he's awesome, and when he's bad, he's just terrible. Yeah, I think this is the good Cam Newton week. I really do. Uh, it, it's his rushing that's carrying him over. He's had 70 rushing yards in three of the last five games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the passing side, you're right. It's been bad. Only one multiple touchdown game over the last five, averaging under 200 yards passing in that stretch. Yeah. But the Jets, five of the last six QBs they paced, multiple touchdowns. And they're bottom 10 against the pass, bottom five over the last five weeks. I think he steps up. It's a get right game for him. I have an A grade on it, believe it or not. I do too. He's, he's in my top five. I yeah, like him this week. I really like him. Because of that, I have Funches with an A grade too. Uh, in the two games since Benjamin left, his targets have gone down a little bit, but his yards per catch are up over five. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, he's averaging... never been a deep receiver. No, prior to this. no, but he's he's being forced to be. He's averaging eighty nine yards per game over the last two. Jets bottom ten against wide receivers, and they've allowed a wide receiver to hit seventy yards in five straight games. Six wide receiver touchdowns over that stretch. I like Funchess a lot this week. Uh, Greg Olson. I'm giving an A grade to. I thought really, really long wow. and hard, All long right. and hard about first a first game back. You're, I you don't think there's any rust to knock off. I don't think so. I I thought long and hard about this one, but Dixon had five or more targets in five of his last six games, most of his games this season actually. I think that's Olsen's floor. He's he's Cam's safety blanket. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be healthy for this. Jets are bottom ten against tight ends, allowing seven targets per game to the position, mm. and over the last six games, sixty-five yards per game to tight ends, including five touchdowns. So I think it's a good matchup there. I want to know how Olsen's going to affect 
Christian McCaffrey. What I do you do. think about that? Yeah, the, the middle of the field there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I do have a C grade on McCaffrey. Yeah. I, that's probably part of Olsen being a B grade or an A grade there. Uh, the Jets are top three against the run over the last five weeks, and they haven't allowed a single running back over 30 yards receiving. That's that in that stretch. Mm-hmm. That's where McCaffrey makes yeah. his makes his hay. He's averaging six catches per game. Is he's ticking upwards, but I still got a C grade on him. I, I think it's a it's a tough matchup. Uh, benching Stewart for that reason. I know he that 110-yard game against Miami really skews his numbers, but he's still barely averaging over three yards per carry. And Panthers, top five on the season, or the Jets are top five on the season, top three over the last five weeks. No thanks. Over to the Jets' side of the ball. Uh, I'm benching McCown. Panthers are top five against quarterbacks now. Yeah, tough uh, matchup. Yeah, he he had those four multiple touchdown games in a row, but over the last couple games, just 200 yards and a touchdown in each of them, basically. It's benching him. Uh, Anderson, though, scored in four straight. And wide receiver ones against the Panthers have seen double-digit targets in four straight weeks, hmm. five catches for 73 yards, and a touchdown on average. So I think that there's some play here for Anderson as the top target for McCown. I'm actually going to give him a B grade. Okay. I am benching Curse, though. Hasn't topped 40 yards since week six. No touchdowns since week seven. ASJ, I'm giving him a C grade, just barely though. Uh, four of the last five tight ends to see five targets against the Panthers, either scored or topped 60 yards. And ASJ is averaging six targets a game. I mean, he's under 30 in three of his last four, but under 30 yards. But I'm still going to give him a C grade, just barely. Hmm. I'm benching the running game. The, if Forte does play, he's questionable. It's going to be a huge split. I, I don't like that matchup at all against a top five Panthers run defense. No, I'm with you. I don't want any, I don't want any part of any of those three guys. Uh, Bears take on the Eagles, Brian. It's, it was tough to start any of your Bears anyway. Anyway, and you know, prior to this, at least you felt pretty good about Jordan Howard. But now Jordan Howard goes up against arguably the toughest fantasy matchup possible for running backs. Yeah, Philly ranked fifth against the run by Football Outsiders. Only one running back has topped 90 rushing yards this year against Philly. Mm-hmm. That was Alf Morris last week, kind of in garbage time scenario, too. Uh, yeah, and Howard, only 15 carries in each of his last two games. Hasn't caught a pass in either of, either of those games either, so right. not liking his prospects a whole lot just to see for him this week. I'm and, and get... like one touchdown in his last six yeah, games for Howard a, as well. It's been a rough stretch. A couple yeah. hundred-yard games in there, though. But, Howard uh, doesn't even have a target in Le- Trubisky's last 96 attempts. Yeah. Uh, That's but, unreal. Who might be seeing some targets in this game is Tariq Cohen. I'm going to give him a C in PPR. Uh, Pass-catching backs have been very involved against the Eagles in recent weeks. Uh, Denver running back saw eight targets. San Francisco back saw 15. <laughs> Carolina back saw 16 targets. Jeez. Arizona running back saw 10-plus. So um, the Eagles are a good matchup for pass-catching backs. They've allowed the uh, second-most receiving touchdowns for running backs as well. Cohen had been very quiet until last week. Uh, he saw 13 touches and scored last week. It was a good sign. But prior to that, he had one catch in five straight games. But I think mm. this is a game where he's a viable start. Uh, Dontrell Inman. The one receiver you might contemplate starting, but I got him on the bench. He did practice in full yesterday with a groin injury, but um, Philly has only allowed one wide receiver touchdown over their last five games. Only one wide receiver has topped 70 yards during that span, so he's on the bench, as are all the other wide receivers for Chicago. Adam Shaheen, uh, the rookie second-round rookie tight end, I'm tempted to start him in this mm-hmm. one, but I got him on the bench, too. Uh, he emerged last week with four catches and a touchdown, uh, but not a good spot for him. Philly has only allowed a total of six tight end catches over the last three games, so he's on the bench, but an interesting uh, guy we might talk about a little later. And Mitch Trubisky on the bench, obviously. Uh, his counterpart for the Eagles, Carson Wentz, can just give him a B here. Uh, Chicago is ranked top 12 against the pass by football outsiders, and they held Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, and 
Drew Brees to a combined three passing touchdowns this year. The lack of Leonard Floyd, though, their pass-rushing defensive end is not trivial, and I think that will certainly help Carson Wentz to not have to not have yeah. to sweat uh, Leonard Floyd in this matchup. Yes, uh, and uh, also Danny Trevathan expected to miss this game, and also starting safety uh, Akeem Hicks, I believe. The, the, the defense is decimated, so he does have yeah. a potential. But the I, he, I think he does once. have a potential in this game. Uh, I suppose Alshon Jeffrey does too, only because it's a revenge game, obviously, <laughs> against his former team. You uh, love the revenge game. Dating back to last year, Chicago had been very stingy against number one wide, wide receivers, but the Bears have allowed back-to-back big games to number ones. Marvin Jones and Devontae Adams each had 80, at least 85 yards and a touchdown. Mike Evans and Antonio Brown also topped 90 yards and scored, so Alshon Jeffrey is pretty much in that class. So he, he's got a solid B grade here, A potential as well. I do have Nelson Aguilar on the bench. Bears nickel corner Bryce Callahan is ranked sixth in slot coverage by Pro Football Focus. He just held Golden Tate to three catches and 32 yards. So Aguilar is on the bench. Zach Ertz, uh, not on the bench. He did fall back to earth hard last week. I'm going to give him a B here. Uh, the Bears haven't allowed a tight end to top 50 yards since Austin Hooper in week one. And that's when he had like a fluky 80-yard touchdown catch, if you recall. Mm. Hooper, that is. Uh, they haven't faced a lot of talent at the position either, though. Kyle Rudolph, probably the best tight end Chicago has faced. Uh, and he had a good game. Uh, caught six balls for 45 yards and a touchdown, so Ertz is uh, certainly a safe start here. Uh, Jay Ajayi, I have him as a C, but with all these injuries for the Bears, I might give him a B. Only 15 carries in two games as an Eagle, but he's averaging more than 11 yards per carry. On well, he's broken games. up two long runs. Two he's had like a 77 and an 80 or something that, crazy. That, 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 that'll that'll cer- do it. That certainly helps. Uh, I think this is the week he sees 10-plus carries. How about you, Fish? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Let's let's make that happen. So I'm going to give him a B here with all the injuries to the Bears. And I'm just going to give LeGarrette Blunt a C. He did see the most carries last week in that backfield, but he has been awful in the red zone. 22 carries for 37 yards. Eight carries for negative five yards inside the five-yard line. He just can't get it done where it counts. So yeah, he's, uh, he gets a C. And Corey Clement, almost a viable start, but I'm going to put him on the bench despite four total touchdowns in his last two games. Uh, but this backfield is just too crowded for uh, for him. And Blunt has only seen two red zone carries since acquiring Ajayi. Which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, this is Blunt led the NFL in touchdowns last year, and he made that money inside the three-yard line. Yep. They don't even give him the ball. They don't even try. Uh, it's going to be ongoing. For, you know, it, it, I'm going to I'm going to contend that what I said originally when that trade went down is going to hold up. They're going to f- fragment the usage across four guys, but they're good enough that one or two of those four guys is going to get paid every week, mm-hmm. and you're never going to know if, if it's your guy's turn or not. It's like that way so far. Yep, and it looks that way so far. Corey Clement's been the best. The, has been the best of the bunch so far, and I don't think anybody would have guessed that. Bills take on the Chiefs. There's uh, my number two and number four running backs face each other in this matchup. I love McCoy, and I love Kareem Hunt. Let's start with McCoy, who's got an obvious A grade here against the Chiefs run defense that ranks 26 and has allowed the third most rushing touchdowns. And goal line vulture Mike Tolbert is out. You'll notice last week with Mike Tolbert out, who got paid at the goal line? LaShawn McCoy. Uh, and PPR PPR uh, players note that the Chiefs have allowed the fewest receptions to running backs, so McCoy will knock him down a few pegs here for those in PPR leagues. Let's go to the passing game. Tyrod Taylor gets a C grade. Kansas City's pass defense looks improved lately, but in the last three games, they've also faced Trevor Simeon, who's since been benched, Dak Prescott, who's struggled a ton without his, his left tackles, and and then Eli Manning with zero starting receivers. So I don't know that Casey's pass defense is any better than its 26th ranking against the pass. So I think Taylor can have some success here. Here's your here's a great sneaky play, and a guy I strongly considered using for take a chance on me, Jordan Matthews. Kelvin Benjamin likely does not play. 
Deontay Thompson plays on the Marcus Peters side of the field. That only leaves Zay Jones to contend for catches uh, with Jordan Matthews, and Zay Jones has been brutal. So, uh, also, Matthews draws an incredibly positive matchup against Steven Nelson, one of the worst slot corners in the league. He ranks 79th among cornerbacks by Pro Football Focus. Jordan Matthews, his highest grade of the year, a B grade for me. Uh, I mentioned Zay Jones earlier. I love the positive matchup against Philip Gaines, one of the worst corners in the league, but Jones has been just, he's been every bit as inept, and he's blown a bunch of positive matchup opportunities in the past. I'm leaving him on the bench. I mentioned Kelvin Benjamin, unlikely to play. What about uh, Charles Clay? He's still dealing with his knee injury, and he's still on the injury report, and he's still missing practices. And it's a tough matchup. Since giving up 107 yards to Jared Goff in Week 4, the Chiefs have only allowed 25 yards per game to opposing tight ends. So I've got Charles Clay on the bench. Let's flip to the Chiefs side. I already told you I love Kareem Hunt here. Hasn't scored in seven great straight games, but the Bills have been decimated against the run since they traded away Marcel Darius, averaging 206 rushing yards per game in those three starts without Marcel Darius. Hunt has double-digit touches in every game this year, and the five backs that have seen double-digit touches against Buffalo since the Darius trade have all averaged a touchdown per game. Hunt is an A grade. So is Travis Kelsey, an obvious A start. I'm not even going to expand on him because he's probably he's one of the two best tight end matchups of this week. Tyreek Hill gets a B grade. Opposing number one receivers against Buffalo have topped 80 yards in five of the last six games. That includes Michael Thomas two weeks ago, Keenan Allen, the week before that, or the week uh, the week after that, in the most previous game for the Chiefs, Hill um, Tyreek Hill has only topped 80 yards twice this year, but he runs one third of his plays from the slot. That puts him up against Leonard Johnson, who just got lit up by Keenan Allen for 160 yards and two touchdowns. For what it's worth, uh, Hill has not scored a touchdown in his last seven home games, but I don't think that that really means a lot. I think he can score at home just fine. I like him here as a B grade. Lastly, uh, for Kansas City, I'll mention Alex Smith. At first, opposing quarterbacks weren't scoring points against the Bills because their secondary was really good. But more recently, quarterbacks aren't scoring points because they don't have to. The Marcel Darius trade. Again, opponents are just running to victory against Buffalo. This game should be a feast for Kareem Hunt. I'm just worried about how many scraps are going to be left over here for Alex Smith. Just a C grade. All right. That wraps up uh, our first three matchups. When we come back, nine players, not normally in your starting lineup, will tell you upon whom you may take a chance when we come back. Nine players upon whom you may wish to take a chance. Many of them available on the waiver wire. In fact, boy, this week, like most of them available on the waiver yeah. wire. We went deep this week. I'm pretty proud of it. Let's start at the quarterback position. Scott. Uh, I'm going to start with C.J. Beathard. Uh, he's finding his stride the last couple weeks. He's still the starter. 291 yards per game over the last two and four total touchdowns. But the real key is his rushing. He's got four rushing touchdowns in the last six weeks in his last five, six games here and three in the last four weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more than that, it's the matchup against Seattle. Richard Sherman out. 
Cam Chancellor out, Shaq Griffin out. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a defense that he can actually tear up. I think game script is going to help too. I think they fall behind and have to pass. And he's, his running has been a yep. real fantasy it's factor unreal. for CJ yeah. Beathard too. All right, Brian, who's your quarterback? I got a runner, too, uh, Paxton Lynch, making his season debut at Oakland. Oakland is ranked dead last against uh, the pass by football outsiders and have allowed 300-plus yards and three passing touchdowns in three of their last four games. They've also faced two mobile quarterbacks this year in Marcus Mariota and Tyrod Taylor. Both of them scored a rushing touchdown. Not quite sure what to expect from Lynch in his third career start coming off a shoulder injury, but yeah. this is a pretty meaty matchup for a mobile quarterback with two-plus receivers in Thomas and Sanders, so I think Lynch is startable as well. And also, you might not have to worry for, about interceptions. Oakland doesn't even have a single one yeah. on the year. Yeah, there's wow. that. You won't, you won't go negative. I like that. Uh, I, uh, you know what? I'll predict he throws the first interception to a Raider <laughs> right. this week. There we go. Uh, my quarterback's also mobile, but I don't even need the mobility of Jacoby Brissett. Heading into the bye, the running, he'd been doing less running and more throwing, and that's the approach that's going to work against the Titans, who have allowed 21 touchdown passes, second Jeez. most in the league. Tennessee's run defense is top five. It's awesome. So they're not even going to try to run. They were going to throw with Brissett early and often against a leaky secondary. Brissett enters this game with multiple passing touchdowns in three straight games. like it. I like him a lot. Let's go to the running back position. Scott. You know, I thought really hard about Charkandrick West against Buffalo. Great matchup. Mm-hmm. That He's a good take home, too. But I went with J.D. McKissick. I know Brian took him last week, but this is an even better matchup this week. It is a better matchup. Yeah, San Francisco is terrible against running backs, worse against pest-catching running backs. Mm. Dead last in receiving yards to running backs. Second worst in receptions. Second worst in receiving touchdowns. And once again, game script, maybe Seattle gets ahead and they have to run yeah. a little more. Uh, coming off career highs in yards and, and carries. I I think McKissick's a good play here. All right. I got uh, Duke Johnson at Cincinnati, uh, the Browns' run game coordinator. Yes, they have a run, run game, game coordinator. coordinator. <laughs> yes. So wants- by the way, I, I think I can safely, on behalf of everybody who owns Isaiah Crowell, I think we can safely say that guy's job is is really up for debate here. <laughs> the necessity of having run game coordinator. No doubt. Uh, but he, he, he wants Johnson on the field as much as possible in this game, he says. Uh, it makes sense. The, the Bengals have allowed the third most catches to running backs, and Duke is averaging five per game, so this is a, a safe PPR play. Mm-hmm. Uh, these teams met in week four, and Duke had nine catches on ten targets, also rushed for a touchdown. Uh, and speaking of rushing, he's averaged more than five yards per carry for three straight games, so he's effective when given carries. Hopefully he gets a few more in this one. All right. My running back is Devontae Booker. Guys, I think this might be the time when everything changes for Booker. New offensive uh, coordinator Bill Musgrave just took over the job this week, said this about Booker this week. Book is playing some good football and deserves more touches. They call him Book. That's how close of a relationship Devontae Booker and Bill Musgrave have. They're on a nickname basis. A costly fourth-quarter fumble by C.J. Anderson could also help Book's case here. Depending on how if Musgrave wants to punish him or not and go Belichick on the deal, we could see more touches from for Booker. Booker's the best pass-catching back on the team as well, and Oakland's allowed a back-to-catch-a-touchdown pass in each of the last two weeks. They've given up seven catches per game to runners over the last five outings, and they've given up huge games through the air to Melvin Gordon and Chris Thompson recently, so... Devontae Booker, I think this might be the game where he turns into the clear number one back. Let's go to the receiver position. Scott? I'm going with your take on quarterbacks, wide receiver. A lot of what you said I agree with and really like for Brissett this week. Yeah. And I think Moncrief 
Dante Moncrief gets involved there. He's been very touchdown and big play dependent over his career. Yeah, whole time. Yeah, and that's good for a Titans team that is allowing the most wide receiver touchdowns in the NFL with 15. Doesn't that work out perfectly? Works out perfectly, yeah. He had five for 60, 67 yards in his first game versus Tennessee. He's got a 50-yard catch and a 60-yard catch recently from Brissett. Mm-hmm. I I think he could be a, you know get a big play here. All right, Dante Moncrief. All right, Martavis Bryant is back on the map uh, at home against the Packers. Juju uh, Smith-Schuster has been ruled out with a hamstring injury. And for those wondering, Bryant has played in the last two games. He has five <laughs> catches on nine targets, so he is still on the team. I had to, I had to make sure of that. But hmm. uh, the Packers have allowed five touchdowns to wide receivers in their past four games. Three of those scores went to number two wide receivers, and speed has really killed Green Bay this year at the receiver position. Comparable receivers like Mike Wallace. Marvin Jones, Ted Ginn Jr. all have had big games, so Martavis Bryant could certainly pop off here. Yeah, I think he's he's in a it's speed receivers kill the Packers. This was my whole bit on Mike Wallace is my take a chance on me last week. And what did he end up doing? Touchdown, Mike Wallace. Mm-hmm. Here comes here comes Martavis Bryant. It's a great opportunity. Marquise Goodwin is my take a chance on me receiver. He's your big play threat for the 49ers, averaging 18 yards per catch in six games this season. He gets a Seattle defense that's normally excellent, but listen to the losses. No Richard Sherman, no Cam Chancellor, no Shaq Griffin. Three out of four starters gone out of that secondary. One lapse against Goodwin's track star speed can result in a long touchdown like the 83-yarder he scored last week. Marquise Goodwin. Fantastic play this week. Marquise to the castle. Keys to the castle. I like it. Doesn't have to worry about baby being born in the middle of the game or anything like that. That's all over with, too, now. So we'll take that as well. Uh, all right. Let's go. You're looking at me like I said something wrong. His baby died. Oh, is that it? Yeah. His baby yeah. Died Sorry about that. Yeah, I got yeah. it wrong. Yeah, that's not good. Sorry about that. Goodwin family. Uh, let's congrats go. Everson Griffin, though. Yeah, and congrats Everson yeah. Griffin. And congrats to the league for the, the, the $50,000 they're going to make on that uniform violation. Let's go to the uh, Bucks taking on the Falcons in this matchup. Man, I I don't know that there's anybody left who can start uh, Doug Martin at this point because it's the in every situation, good or bad, on paper, he has underperformed every step of the way this year. Yeah, terrible. I, he he's a bench for me this week for the Bucks. Uh, two yards per carry over his last three games. Atlanta's top ten fewest rushing yards allowed to running backs. Uh, only one rushing touchdown allowed since week three. He's on the bench firmly. Yeah. Uh, in the passing game, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Atlanta's allowing the seventh fewest yards and the sixth fewest touchdowns to quarterbacks. Mm. But Fitz hasn't even played four full games, and he's averaging and he's had seven touchdowns. So he's averaging nearly two touchdowns per game in relief appearances. Yeah. And I think garbage time here. Bucks Bucks fall behind Falcons. I think for that sure could play in. So I'm giving right. him a C grade. Okay. Uh, I'm giving Evans an A grade. Atlanta hasn't allowed, has only allowed one 100-yard receiver, but Evans hasn't hit 100. But he's had 90-plus in both of the near-full games that Fitz played. Mm. And uh, Atlanta has allowed eight wide receiver touchdowns, seven of them to number one receivers. I think this could be Evans this week. Okay. Uh, that's kind of the reason I'm benching Deshaun Jackson, too. Uh, they're a top-10 pass defense, only one wide receiver touchdown, and no wide receiver over 75 yards out of secondary receivers. Okay. And with with Fitzgerald or excuse me Fitzpatrick. with Fitzpatrick in, Djax hasn't seen more than four targets. No, so, and Evans's targets are no lower than they were under Winston, right. who threw to him constantly. Right, exactly. 
Uh, over to Brayton Howard. I'm benching them both. No tight end under six targets. His top 30 yards against the F- F- Falcons. Uh, Brayt with Fitz in isn't getting more than four targets. Howard's averaging three targets. They're, mm-hmm. they're benched. Uh, on the Falcons side, in the passing game, I think Ryan and Julio are obvious A's here. Yeah. Tampa's fourth most lot yards allowed to quarterbacks. That's where Ryan's been missing it. He's getting multiple touchdowns, just not the yards. So right. A grade there. A grade for Julio. Uh, the the Bucks are the worst against wide receivers. Worst pass defense against wide receivers. A grade obvious there for mm-hmm. me. Mohamed Sanu is also getting an A grade for me because the Bucks have surrendered twelve touchdowns to wideouts. That's fifth most in the NFL. Sanu has three touchdowns in the last four games. He's got a good matchup this week. No team has allowed more yards to opposing wide receivers. I am benching Hooper though. He hasn't exceeded fifty yards since week one. Yeah, so frustrating. Yeah. And Tevin Coleman becomes an, a super easy A start for me. The Bucks have allowed seven touchdowns to running backs in the last six games. And Coleman has 21 touches each of the last two games without Freeman. Five running backs have faced the Bucks and had at least 16 touches. Their average, 131 total yards. And those five backs have scored seven touchdowns. I think you can go one step further. Okay. You're in a pinch at running back, Teron Ward. All right. I think you know. It, again, if you're in a pinch and you're just you're throwing darts at the running back position this week, Teron Ward is becomes your Coleman, right? He's yeah. not, he's nine touches a game, and you know which is about what Coleman was giving you. He becomes you know he becomes the Coleman in this factor, mm-hmm. and so in a pinch in a juicy matchup, you could you could even go that far. Very well, could. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, more matchups to get to, including Browns at Bengals. We uh, we already told you we like Duke Johnson in this one. Do we like Isaiah Crowell, who's been lukewarm lately, a little more positive lately, to continue that trend when we come back? You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. With you, guys, we uh, we touched on Browns Bengals going into the break. Duke Johnson, you already gave us as your take a chance on me running back. What about Isaiah Crowell? Couple of good games in the last month. You think it continues here against the Bengals? Nope, not taking a chance on Isaiah this week. Only had seven carries for 20 yards when these teams met in week four. Mm-hmm. Uh, pass catching backs are the ones you want to target against the Bengals. And as you said, that's why Duke was my take a chance on me running back. And that's about it for the Browns. Everyone else on the bench in the passing game. Uh, no no shock there. Including Corey Coleman, who's uh, yeah. asserting himself as the number one. He is, but he certainly should be rostered in almost every league right now. Yeah, right? I think so, he should uh, be too. Uh, not yeah, a good tough, spot for him. tough matchup here. Yeah. Although, uh, isn't, uh, I think... There are a couple injuries. injuries I'm, but... I'm pretty sure that Pac-Man's out for this game, and there might be a couple others. That but, I'm, but by and large, it's still Kaiser. Pac-Man's at the helm, and I'm playing. Darkie Zenard might not play. Sean okay. Williams is out. He's a starting safety. But right. yeah, I'm still not going with Coleman. I'm with you. Deshaun Kaiser is still playing, so that's why I'm not playing. Yeah. With Coleman. <laughs> so, uh, that's right. Going over to Cincinnati, I'll give AJ Green a soft A here. He did have five catches for 63 yards and a touchdown in the first meeting this season. He has now scored in three straight games against Cleveland, but he will likely be shadowed by Jason McCourty, uh, who has only allowed 21 catches in his coverage all season. So it's a tough matchup for Green, but there's no way you're putting him on the bench. Uh, Brandon. 
Brandon LaFell, I'll give him a C, uh, even though he was pretty much invisible in the first meeting. Uh, Cleveland is ranked fourth against number two wide receivers, so mm-hmm. it, it appears to be a tough matchup on paper, but the path of least resistance is through the air against Cleveland, so I think LaFell is a Hail Mary start. Tyler Croft, com- the complete opposite, though. I'm going to give him I an love A. Him. I love him. Yep. Cleveland continues to be a prime matchup for tight ends, and Croft caught six passes for 68 yards and two touchdowns in the first meeting. So giddy up, Tyler Croft owners. Uh, Andy Dalton, uh, because of Croft, I think he's a, a startable here with a B. Uh, he went bonkers in this first meeting, uh, four touchdown passes, and now has thrown at least two touchdowns in five straight games against Cleveland. Dalton also has at least two touchdown passes in four of his last five games. Jacksonville was the one game he felt short of that mark, and that under Understandably so. Uh, Joe Mixon, uh, lastly, going to give him a C here. I- I've harped on this the last couple weeks, how good Cleveland's run defense is. Yeah, it's it's really good. Still ranked number one by football, football outsiders uh, against the run. And Mixon runs behind the worst O-line in football, in my opinion. Agreed. And uh, further evidence by at uh, uh, the RB Scout on Twitter, uh, Mixon is dead last in yards per carry before the first potential tackle point mm-hmm. at 0.71 yards. Man. No other you running back. You can't even get to the line of scrimmage no other running he's back, got a contact point. No other running back is under one yard in that in that category. You know, Mixon might, you know, Mixon's going to be fascinating next year because... People are going to look at you're going to look at his base stats from this season, and it's going to be depressing. Mm-hmm. He's going to average under four yards a carry. He's only going to chalk up like five touchdowns on the season. He's right now he's never topped seventy yards in a game, and they're going to be down on him. The Bengals will address their offensive line in the offseason because they have to, and he's going to be a the fast, Vikings like the Vikings did. Yeah. He's going to be a fascinating guy for fantasy owners to figure out next season. Yeah, and he's among the leaders in yards per carry after the first potential tackle point. I mean, yeah, he's getting point. it done on yeah. his own, but yeah. the O-line giving him no help whatsoever. Right. You're done with that matchup? Before I interject it, I just want to double-check. Uh, Dolphins take on the Patriots. On the Dolphins' side, Jay Cutler has been ruled out. It's another Matt Moore start. Anybody who thinks that's a positive, I think you're nuts. Uh, he's looked some between Matt Moore and what we've seen this year, at times dreadful, at times average. That's it. Last week, I thought he was just average which for him, by his standards was pretty good. But the Patriots' secondary has improved dramatically. They've held four straight quarterbacks to exactly one touchdown, and three of those four are a lot better than Matt Moore, and I think one touchdown is his upside here. If anybody's going to get it, it might actually be Jarvis Landry. I mean, for years, the dude couldn't catch a touchdown to save his soul, and now, touchdown machine. He goes up against New England slot corner Eric Rowe, who could miss another game with his groin injury, so that would be an, a plus for Jarvis Landry as well, and... Now, with all the, the receptions he's getting and the touchdowns that he's getting, Landry's borderline matchup proof at this point. And his history against the Patriots, pretty awesome. At least six catches and at least 71 yards in each of his five last games against the Patriots. So you can bank on six and 71 for for Landry if Matt Moore can get him there. I got a C grade in Devontae Parker. Uh, you know, Landry's stealing the targets. Kenny Stills is stealing the touchdowns and the big plays, and that leaves Parker kind of in a no-man zone. Uh, you know, fortunately, Parker has been great against New England of late. In the last three meetings, he's averaged six catches, 86 yards, and almost a touchdown per game. Patriots have allowed multiple wide receivers to score and or top 60 yards in five straight games, so there's an angle here for a decent game from him. I'm not chasing Kenny Stills from last week. I don't think there's enough to go around. I will say this about Stills, though. In the six games that Matt Moore has thrown double-digit attempts, Stills has five, a touchdown in five of them. Ooh, I didn't know that. I like that. You want to put a C grade on Stills? 
it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Yes or no? I guess. I got him on the, I I, him I, on the bench, but that's He's more of a take-a-chance-on-me-dart throw, but yes, I'd give him a C grade. All right, C grade. We'll, we'll move him up to C grade just for you. Moore loves him. Let's go to the New England side. Brady, Gronk, and Cooks are all obvious A's. They rank as quarterback one this week, tight end one, and wide receiver three in my personal rankings, which you can get at fanball.com. Brady, Gronk, and Cooks, done. Let's talk about Deion Lewis. Not only did Lewis lead the team in rushing yards and attempts last week, but he was also tied for the most receptions among the running backs. He finished with the most receiving yards and a touchdown. New England got rushing touchdowns from Garrett Blunt in both of these matchups with Miami last season, and Lewis is getting the red zone carries and the stripe carries now. Mike Gillisley's been a healthy scratch for two weeks, so I love Deion Lewis, and he's got an A grade for me here. Now, the hard guy to figure out in this backfield is Rex Burkhead. So, Burkhead... I don't know, like second quarter of last week's game, had a fumble, which fortunately the Patriots recovered. But you know what happens when you fumble in a Bill Belichick offense. First flight to Siberia. <laughs> he did, He had four carries the rest of the way, and three of those four were in such deep garbage time that Brian Hoyer was at quarterback. So it's up to you to try to figure out, and nobody, we don't know, is Rex Burkhead still in the doghouse or not? If he's not been benched outright, Burkhead should remain involved in the passing offense. Uh, but it's hard to know. This is a Miami defense that has only allowed two receiving touchdowns to running backs. So even if Burkhead gets back to full contributor status, it's not an ideal matchup anyway. I've got a hesitant C grade on Rex Burkhead. There's a lot going on with this one. Staying in the backfield, James White's role has been dwindling for weeks. And if that holds up here, you can't start him. If you think that Belichick is going to meet out more punishment yet for Rex Burkhead's fumble, then White could see more work here. But I don't I don't know that that's going to be the case. So White is on the bench for me. If you want to risk that, that's up to you. Only two other guys to talk about. Danny Amendola should get more work with Chris Hogan sideline. Although Amendola is still legitimately questionable for this game too. Um, he has a tough matchup with Bryce McCain, cornerback. Although... Miami's secondary has had all sorts of problems. McCain has been the one bright spot here, and I don't love that matchup part of it. I do still have a starting C grade on Danny Amendola, and Martellus Bennett is not going to play in this game. Let's see if we can work in one more, and then let's go to the phones. Next up, Seahawks take on the 49ers. Scott, you already told us that J.D. McKissick is your take-a-chance-on-me runner. He's a pass-catching specialist. Now, with Mm -hmm. Mike Davis out... It's another opportunity for Thomas Rawls to prove that he can do something, and the opportunity couldn't be better. It's the 49ers. What do you think? That's true, but I'm I'm putting my eggs in the uh, McKissick basket. Uh, Lacey, yuck, you said Davis out. Rawls, healthy scratch last week, trying too hard, apparently. 2.6 yards per carry this year. Uh, no thanks. I'm passing. Uh, to the passing game, though, Russell Wilson, Pretty obvious A here. I mean, San Francisco has allowed multiple touchdowns or 300 yards in not to nine of ten quarterbacks and multiple scores to five straight. Obvious, obvious start. But here's insult to injury. Niners have given up the second most rushing yards to quarterbacks. Wilson, second in rushing yards and attempts. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get it done there, too. Uh, a grade for Baldwin. Scored or gone over 95 yards in four of his last five. A lot, the 49ers are bottom 10 against wide receivers and allowed a wide receiver touchdown in four straight. I, I like Baldwin here. Now, if Jimmy Graham's questionable for this one, yeah. and he's hogging all of the all of the end zone targets, yep. and so the hope here for those of us with Doug Baldwin, and I got him in a bunch of leagues, 
is that Jimmy Graham either doesn't play or has a reduced role in this game so that we can throw to somebody else in the end zone. Right, right. I, I still think Baldwin can get his. He had six catches last time he faced San Francisco, so I think he's going to get his either way. Let's hope so. But, uh, Richardson, I'm giving a C grade to. He's the second on the team in wide receiver targets. He had eight last week, which led the team. And he's got 55 yards or a touchdown in seven games this season. He, he's been not like a stud, but you know he had that one game. Yeah. But yeah, he's been startable, a C-flex-worthy guy. Benching Lockett, seven games under 30 yards, basically the fifth pass right. guy in the passing game. Jimmy Graham, I'm giving an A grade. I know he's questionable, mm-hmm. but he has 22 red zone targets. That's five more than anyone in the NFL, anyone else. And he also leads for targets in the 10 zone as well, yeah, inside the it's, 10. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's the only guy they look at. Niners have given up a touchdown to a tight end in four straight, too. Yeah. So he's, look, it, you know, he deserves an A grade. Yeah. I'm mostly frustrated because I don't have Jimmy Graham in any leagues. <laughs> I guess that's mostly what this is all about. 23 red zone targets for Jimmy Graham. Travis Kelsey is the next closest tight end with 13. Devontae Adams and Des Bryant lead wide receivers with 17. Jeez. Look, he has 11. That, that many more. He has 11 inside the five. I think the, the five is the most among wide receivers. Unbelievable. Anybody else for that matchup? Or are we done? Let's go to the 49ers oh, yeah, side of the, the ball. Whole, I, I almost <laughs> forgot a whole team because there's not a lot to talk about. Marquise Goodwin, though, yes, is my take a chance on me wide receiver. And C.J. Beathard was your take a chance on me quarterback. Exactly. So we like the passing game. Yeah, and I like some garbage time, too, in this one, possibly. But uh, because we like the passing game, I'm also liking Selleck a little bit. The uh, Seahawks have allowed a tight end to hit at least 60 yards in four of the last six games, mm. and they've allowed a tight end touchdown in back-to-back weeks. Selleck looked, you know, decent against the Giants, yeah. but who's to say how he'll play against others? But I think the, the game script might help Selleck be involved at least to maybe a low B grade here, a soft wow. B. All yeah. Right. Yeah, I think he could get it. I need a sleeper tight end in one of my leagues. Maybe that's it. Oh, I Selleck. might have one for you later in the show. Too. Okay, good. All right, Carlos Hyde. Uh, I'm giving him a B grade here. He he's had 100 total yards in consecutive weeks. Mm-hmm. Caught 11 passes, and that's it's crazy what he's doing in the passing game. Sixth in the NFL among running backs in receptions this year. Yeah, who would have thought that after last year? Um, he's also second in rushing attempts inside the five and fourth inside the ten. But he's only scored in two games this season, so it's not really paying off for him. So I'm a little worried about the touchdown potential there. Uh, and the Seahawks tough matchup. They, they're top 10 against the run. They haven't allowed a running back over 80 total yards since week three. I'm still giving him a B grade there. He's, he's that involved. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's work in a couple of phone calls. We begin with Ben. Thank you for your patience, Ben. Hey, guys. Uh, great. Uh, I know I say it all the time, but you guys are helping me uh, win all three of my leagues. Awesome. So I, can't, I can't appreciate it. But anyhow, Kenny Stills, I need one of these. This is non-PPR standard league. Yeah, Kenny Stills, Danny Woodhead. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, you would take a chance. Mm-hmm. Or, or Martavis Bryant or Jamal Williams, the running back. On you need one Bay. one out of all that. Yeah, I I, I know it's uh it's. Are, I'm are you chasing uh, points right now? Like, did, are you going up against Marvin yeah. Jones or something like that? Yeah, uh, exactly. then it's Martavis Bryant. Throwing that out there. I I Martavis Bryant has the highest ceiling in my mind uh, among those four. Marquise Goodwin is close, but I think it's one okay. of those two guys in a uh, pretty prime matchups. But I would go Bryant. What if uh, the other guy I have already starting is Marquise Lee? Would you play any of those guys over him or no? Yes. 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 Got Pat I, I play Goodwin. And, I play and Lee good. is dinged up, too. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. We, I, I play Goodwin for sure. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. He, Pat Pete should shadow Lee, and that's all but good night for Lee on Sunday. Correct. So, yeah. like, 
Again, appreciate it. I know it's belated. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. And uh, that's about it. Thank you, Ben. I know you're a loyal listener. Appreciate you calling in. Mike, hello. Hey, guys. Uh, just uh, two que- two questions, if I may. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, it's not lightning uh, round. You get to ask two questions. Yes. Perfect. Um, Andy Dalton or Derek Carr? Um, you know, I think we like Dalton, uh, or sorry, we like, we like, uh, Dal- yeah, Dalton's Dalton, matchup a lot this week. Four touchdowns in the first meeting against Cleveland. Yeah. And, you know, for as bad as the Broncos defense has been lately, it's not, no, most of it's not coming through the air. I, I would rather start, uh, I've got Dalton a couple of spots higher than Carr. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. E- even with, uh, Mari Cooper and my right receivers. Now, maybe especially because Amari Cooper. Okay. You know, let, maybe we don't want to double down on that unless you're down by a lot of points through the Thanksgiving games. If you told me you're down by a lot of points, I would change my answer. And I would say, then let's double up and hope you can get a couple of car to Coopers going and give you a, a, some explosive output. But if that's, did, if that's not the case, then I think I'd, I would just go with a guy I like better. Okay, because I did go up against Philip Rivers, but I'm still projected to win by a couple points. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hold with Dalton, I think. All right, what's your other okay. question? Um, Robbie Anderson or Ted Ginn? Wow, I like both you gave of them. An a gave, you gave an A grade to yeah. Ted Ginn. Yeah, I like both of them this week, but it's got to be Ginn. I, I love uh, that matchup. I think that's going to be a high-scoring game. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the appreciate the call. Um, I should really take a break. I want to get to more calls, of course, and Aaron and Connor and Greg and Brian and Brandon are all on hold, but... Just the reality is we got a lot of matchups to get to. We got a lot of show left, and we still have lightning round to talk to you guys in. So we'll take a break. When we come back, five hot questions. See if you can go 5-0 and with our panel of experts when we come back. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. And... Weekly on the fan. Paul Charchi and Brian Johnson and Scott Fish with you today. Many thanks to our decade-long sponsor, Grain Belt Premium, the official beer of fantasy football. Don't forget to play the free Crush Charge Challenge at GrainBelt.com. And as always, many thanks to our friends at the brewery, Sean Ryan, Lee Wendinger, and the owners, Ted and Jody Marty. And many thanks to Dave Wilson, the manager at Manny's Steakhouse, where we're going to have our winner's banquet in January. Your only chance to get there and your only chance to get the $2,000 grand prize is to play the Crush Charge Challenge at GrainBelt.com. Now, you said we, we where we are going to have, so you're talking about me and Oh, Fish, thanks for the invite. And Absolutely that, not, unless you get to know even, Week 11 winner Teresa Phillips. Maybe Teresa Phillips will bring one of you guys. Uh, that might be your angle right there. I don't know if the wives would like our that. Our first... No, probably not. They'll, un- they'll understand. Yeah, it's Manny's. They'll so, understand. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, okay. it's Manny's. Hit me up, uh, Teresa Phillips, our first female winner of the year. We're excited to have her there, and we encourage more... Of, we want everybody to play, but especially you ladies. We'd love to have... Usually we get a one or a, maybe one winner every other year that's female. We'd like to have more, so we encourage you to play. This is a bit we like to call five... Tough questions. We begin with Devani's hot question number one. Which is closer to the real Keenan Allen, the version who went eight weeks between scores, or the version who's gone berserk in the past two weeks? Let's start with Scott. I had a tough one with this one. 
He's it's had, a hot question. I know. 49 career games. He has 1,500-yard games and two more where he got injured that he was on pace. Over a third of his games, he's basically a 100-yard wide receiver. But then on the other side, he between 35 and 80 yards, 32 of his 49 games. That's 65%. He usually falls in that zone. So I'm going to go with the guy from the last eight weeks, but he always has that upside. All right. All right, well, uh, I was worried about the rust factor for Keenan coming into the season, and that certainly attributed to his slow start, it seemed like. Uh, but he also had some really tough matchups. He saw Denver twice, uh, the Giants, when their secondary was still somewhat competent. Uh, the Jaguars are in the mix there. Uh, but as he, as we all have seen, he's uh, he's been popping off the last two weeks, and I think he's going to continue to do so the rest of the way. He has Cleveland coming up. About half the wide receiver touchdowns they've allowed have gone to slot receivers. Washington, more than half of the touchdowns they've allowed have gone have gone to, uh, from slot receivers. And then Kansas City has allowed 15 wide receiver touchdowns. The Jets have allowed 11. So let's go with the uh, the version who's gone berserk. Uh, it is the version who's gone berserk lately. Now, he was one of my bust guys in the preseason, and I for nine him. games, I, I I look pretty smart, and I still think on the whole he's going to end up having a worse season than most people thought. But uh, now, I think the explosion is here because of the confidence he's got in the rebuilt knee. You know, We were worried about how long it would take. A lot of times it takes guys half a season to get through, and then they, they really start to work on the rebuilt knee. That seems to be the case here. Fanball writer Jay Clemens always talks about receivers' volume is usually indicative of ultimately where the chances of fantasy success are coming, and I think mostly that tends to be accurate. Allen is fourth in targets at ten per game. You can, any you know any competent receiver who's getting ten targets a game, good things are going to happen. Devani's hot question number two: Will Samaje P. Ryan be a top ten running back for the rest of the season? Brian. Uh, he has top 10 potential against Dallas next week, especially if Sean Lee continues to sit. And then uh, at the Chargers the following week, that's a pretty good matchup as well. But then week 15 and 16 is about as brutal as it can get with Arizona and Denver on the docket. So it's really a coin flip for me. I'm going to say he's going to fall just outside the top 10 just because he ha- he's had 20-plus carries in two straight games, but that is not really the identity of the Washington team. Uh, they tend to throw a whole lot more than they run, so... I think there's a little smoke in mirrors here, so I'm going to say no, not inside the top ten. Okay. Man, this was tough for me as well. I mean, over the last yes. three weeks. I like to hear that I, know. I try to make them tough. Over the last hot. three weeks, even those tough matchups over the last three weeks are mm-hmm. bottom ten. Broncos have allowed eight touchdowns in, that's in the last five weeks. So uh, I'm going with no just because I don't think Perrine is that talented. I, I think they're – and I don't know that that's going to be Washington's offense to give him that many carries all the time. Yeah. So I'm just – he's just going to be outside it. So five guys are easily inside the top ten the rest of the way. Bell, Ingram, McCoy, Fournette, Gurley. They're locks. Kamara. Well. Come on. Then I got two – I have three guys that are maybes. Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, Alvin Kamara. They're in that maybe category of being inside the top ten. Then, that leaves two open slots for anybody to take. I don't know that's a more compelling case than Samaj P. Ryan. Back-to-back 100-yard games. He's playing a lot better now than he is earlier in the season, and that's not uncommon for rookie running backs to, um, to struggle a little bit early, start to get a feel for the game. But mostly, he's a workhorse back, and there's so few workhorse backs in the NFL and so few guys that get the ball in every situation, and he's that guy. The two marshals are, as backup running backs, mean nothing to this offense. And the schedule, when you look at how these teams 
are performing over the last five weeks, he will not face another defense in the top half of the league against the run the rest of the way, including you mentioned the Broncos. Not the Broncos of the last five weeks aren't a top-half defense. The Cardinals, they're 21st against the run over the last five weeks. These are fading run defenses, and here comes a fresh workhorse back at all of these tiring defenses. Samaje Pirine will be a top-10 running back the rest of the way. Devani's hot question number three. Will Deion Lewis be a top-10 running back the rest of the way? Brian. No, wait, this is a Scott one. We lead with Scott for this one. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go with, man, it's tough because you've only left one spot open. I've left one spot open. (laughs) Are you going to fill it with Deion Lewis? And you left that Latavius Murray. (laughs) You're supposed to be a homer. Uh, You know what? I I think you're being cheeky here. I think you're going to say it is Deion Lewis. (laughs) I know you do like Deion Lewis. So uh, he's been RB7 over the last two weeks. RB12 since week eight. Mm-hmm. So he's right in up, right up in there. And he plays Buffalo and Miami twice each. They're both bottom five against the run and allowing massive amounts of yards. Uh, he gets the Jets and Steelers as well, but the Jets are week 17. Um, I'm going to go with yes. All right. Yeah, I like I like uh, Lewis more than Pirine definitions. So do I, in. actually. Uh, just diving a little more into yeah. Seeing Buffalo and Miami twice in the next five games, how does that happen? Like, <laughs> well, it's because they always try to put these divisional games into that's, the end of the end of the year, which makes sense. That that heavy loaded though. That's and, a lot. Of, that's a lot. And the Buffalo, let's talk about, opposing running backs over their last five games are averaging 189 combo yards and more than two touchdowns per game against the Bills. <laughs> Miami is much better than that, which is still really bad, though. Mm. They're allowing 155 combo yards and one touchdown per game in that span. So that's four of those worse. games right there. So, yeah, inside the top ten, sure. Correct answer is yes. Inside the top ten, you guys took all my points. Nice Giovanni's hot question number four. In how many future fantasy football weekly shows... Will Dak Prescott get an A or a B grade as opposed to a C or a bench grade? So how many future shows will we be giving him an A or a B grade? Brian. Uh, it's pretty evident that uh, he needs Zeke to be a fantasy stud as of right now. And uh, he won't have Zeke uh, when they're at Oakland in a week or two. I think he's got a chance for a B grade there. And then really his only other chance to me is week 16 when Zeke does come back and Seattle comes to Dallas, but that secondary is decimated. So I think he's a sneaky B grade there. So I will just say twice. You'll say two. All right. I also have two. I, I think it's the Giants and the Eagles. With uh, The Eagles with Zeke back, the second game with Zeke back, potentially, and the Giants game. The Redskins have been tough against the pass, except for recently. Uh, Raiders know, Zeehawks know, not with Zeke's first game back. Uh, I also went two. Correct answer is three and a half. <laughs> uh, Washington next week, is. I think it's going to be a B grade on That's him. That's like a B minus. Three and a half? Three and Come a half. On. The, uh, I would have given you credit for three or four, for the record. Okay. Uh, Washington is going to be a yes. Over the last five weeks, they rank 28th against the pass. Mm-hmm. The Giants are a B grade. They rank 30th against the pass over the last five weeks. Oakland is a B grade. They rank 29th against the pass over the last five weeks. Then comes Seattle, and here's your half. If Seattle's secondary is still missing, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, uh, Shaq Griffin, yeah, game on. Philadelphia well, we don't is know. bottom That's 10. That's a month out. Philadelphia is bottom 10 against the pass. 
didn't seem to do too well. They're, uh, they're fourth against the pass over the last five weeks. Oh, okay. Fourth against the pass over the last five weeks. is a good Eagles pass defense now. It's done better. Eagles are it's so done good. way better. That makes it a tough one. Devani's hot question number five. Who is the free agent kicker I can add to my roster now and then just leave him for the rest of the year? By the way, this guy's got to be available in at least 50% of, of my fantasy league league. So that's our standard right now. Scott. I was a little annoyed by this because I can't say Nick Rose who played this this week already. So you can't pick him up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I yeah. thought about that. Yeah, he's only 8% owned and he's got 10 field goals over the last five weeks. How about that? Yeah. Uh, but I'm yeah. going to go with the Jags' Josh Lambeau, who in just four games has nine field goals and six extra points. I see a lot of drives stalling. I see them being confident in their defense to take field goals instead of trying to force the issue. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with Lambeau. Okay. <laughs> I got... Kaimi Fairbairn. The guy who just got hurt? <laughs> he, no, he's hurt. Is he hurt? Yeah, he's hurt. Oh, that's nice. Lambo's hurt too, but he's gonna play. Yeah. <laughs> but he's Fairbairn so... got knocked out of the game and they were kicking with their punter and all that. I don't know how serious the injury is. All right, but... well, whoever whoever the hell the Houston's kicker is going for. Oh no, I I got him. wait, that's Houston's kicker. Yes. Sorry, I was giving you the Chargers kicker. Uh, uh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. I was gonna ask you, yeah. can you guess who the hell uh Kaimi Fairbairn is? Yeah. And you don't know. Yeah, now well, you do. I, I, confused, <laughs> I confused him with the Chargers kicker. So anyway, I apologize. Speaking My first of show, uh, you pronounced his full name. I did spe- pronounce his full name. Speaking of uh drive stalling, that's uh that's Tom Savage's that's right in his <laughs> wheelhouse. So uh that's what he does. Looking at uh Houston's schedule going forward, they have Tennessee starting next week. Uh they're second in opponent red zone red zone scoring attempts per game. Uh, then they have San Fran, who just allows a ton of points. Both of those teams allow nine-plus points per games to kickers. And then it's Jacksonville and Pitt, Pittsburgh next. Both have a very low opponent red zone scoring percentage mm-hmm. when it comes to touchdowns, yeah. less than 48%. So I see a lot of field goal opportunities for old Kaimi Fairbairn. <laughs> if you had any guts, you'd give us his full name. I'm a little disappointed in you, to be honest. That's not his full name? That's not his full no, name. No, it's like... Oh, that's it's that's the off. deeply shortened version. That's nothing. <laughs> I wish you would have gone... I wish you'd have, I wish you'd have, I wish you'd have gone the other way with it, but that's okay. How about a kicker that was universally inside the top three when this season started and then only has been dropped and is available now in, in 75% of leagues because of injury and is now healthy again? That would be Dan Bailey, one of the most consistent kickers in the entire league since he got into the league. He is available in 77% of leagues. I already talked about how easy this schedule is with Washington and the Giants and the Oakland Raiders coming up. Lots of points to be had. He's an incredibly high percentage kicker. He's averaging over 90% of his his field goal attempts over the course of his career. And I'll even go one step further. Here are Dallas's remaining schedule against kickers by kicker defense. So just how many points you allow to the kicker. Washington ranks 22nd in points allowed to the kicker. Giants rank 24th in points allowed to the kicker. Oakland ranks 32, dead last in points to the kicker. Seattle is 11th. And then the last one, if you play in Week 17 and you shouldn't, Philadelphia, 13th in points allowed to the kicker. So he's got an awesome run right right up to your fantasy championship, Dan Bailey. This is way too much foot punching talk. I want a Lambo Bailey whiteboard bet for us. Let's do it. Let's also. I like that pick, though. Uh, I'm glad you do. Let's also <laughs> talk Packers taking on the Steelers. Uh, we've gotten to the point that I don't know that there's any Packers you can start here other than outside of maybe Devontae Adams. 
What do you think? Yeah, my boy Devontae Adams still gets a B. Brett Hundley has been locked in on Devontae over the last three games. Target totals of 10, 8, and 10. Adams leads all wide receivers in red zone targets and has scored at least once in every road game this year. Uh, Pittsburgh had only allowed two wide receiver touchdowns in their first five games, but they have surrendered five scores to the position over their last five. And three wide receivers have also topped 100 yards against the Steelers in their last five games. So you like Adams certainly more than you like Jordy Nelson, who I have on the bench. In four full games with Hunley at quarterback, Jordy has totaled 92 receiving yards and zero touchdowns. Man, it's been bad. He also has zero red zone targets during that span. He and is... I, you figure that they want to get uh, Jordy back into the mix because they just want to produce a threat there that defenses have to account for, but I don't think Brett Hunley can do it. I just don't think it's within his ability set right now. Yeah, listen to all y'all. I would uh, almost sabotage drop uh, Jordy Nelson at this point. I uh, could almost well, actually. I think we had that as an actual question here a couple of weeks ago. We Possibly. We yeah. uh, Randall Cobb. I have him on the bench too. He has been a little more productive post a Raj, but uh, not by much. But he's at least top fifty yards in the game. But uh, Pittsburgh nickel corner Mike Hilton has not allowed a touchdown in slot coverage and owns a fifty-eight quarterback rating against in said coverage. So Cobb is on the bench. As is Brett Hundley, obviously. Uh, then over to the running backs, Ty Montgomery. Needed to practice today in order to play, but I'm just reading that he's been downgraded to doubtful, so it looks like it's Jamal Williams again. Yeah. Uh, tough matchup, though. Since week three, only two running backs have scored against Pittsburgh. That was Jordan Howard and Leo Fournette. Williams is just a C. Uh, it's basically a volume play here. And, okay, uh, over to Pittsburgh. I got some everybody expert start them all. Check this expert analysis out. Ben Roethlisberger, he's at home against the Packers. A. Antonio Brown, he's Antonio Brown against the Packers. A. Martavis Bryant might take a chance to be wide receiver. Almost an A-grade take it, on it, it, it is <laughs> almost an A-grade for him. I do have Jesse James and Vance McDonald on the bench. They basically continue to cannibalize each other. Not viable here. And then Le'Veon Bell, going to give him an A, despite being held under four yards per carry in five of his last six games. But uh, but as always, just getting a ton of volume on the ground and in the air. So he's a, he's an A here. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's start all your Steelers, no doubt. Titans take on the Colts. It's uh, This one you'll have to be a lot more selective about. So let's, uh, let's roll up our sleeves and begin with Marcus Mariota. Uh, he's played a lot of tough pass defenses over the last month. He's paced, he faced the second-best, third-best, and eighth-toughest pass defense. Here comes the Colts, ranking 31st against the pass. So this is going to feel comparatively easy. Mariota threw for 300 yards in the first meeting with the Colts, and his career average against the Colts, 300 yards. Plus, he's running more. 56 rushing yards in the last two games. So Marcus Mariota is a, a solid B grade here. Uh, don't believe Rashard Matthews is going to play, and they've activated Harry Douglas to the 53-man roster, so it looks like uh, Rashard Matthews is not going to go, and that's part of the reason why I like, in the breakout performance of his career, young career so far, Corey Davis, all the way up to a B grade. His highest ranking in fantasy football, fantasy football weekly history, he'll draw... Colts cornerback Pierre Desir. You made that name up. It sounds like it. Uh, He ranks as cornerback 101 by Pro Football Focus. And he's the Titans' target leader since he returned to the lineup in week number nine. Corey Davis is. And if you include his week one performance, Corey Davis averaging eight targets per game. And now you take Richard Matthews out. That frees up seven targets a game. And now it's game on for Corey Davis, who I like a lot in this matchup. So that corner is going to have to change his name to Deceared. <laughs> Deceased. Or maybe oh, that that Pierre Deceased. I like that. I like it. Uh, Eric Decker gets a C grade again with Matthews out. That certainly helps. Uh, he had his best game as a Titan the last time these teams met. 
nine targets, uh, seven receptions, 88 yards last time they met. So let's uh, we'll give him a C grade for Eric Decker. And staying with the passing game, Delaney Walker, just a C grade here. Only two tight ends have topped 50 yards against the Colts. None of them have topped 50 yards since week five. And Walker, as you probably know, hasn't scored all year long. And he only had 17 yards against the Colts when they met last time. So just a C grade for Delaney Walker. Let's go to the running game, which is always a bloodbath <laughs> when it comes to this team. I've got a B grade on DeMarco Murray. I'm showing some confidence here. Colts have allowed opposing backfields to average 124 yards over the last five games. And lead backs have reached triple digits in four out of the last five. Your lead back is DeMarco Murray. Murray went for 87 total yards and scored a rushing touchdown against the Colts in week six. So I'm taking Murray here to get fed in this one. Derrick Henry also gets a C grade because... He put up 131 yards last time these teams met. He also scored, but he is the clear backup in the backfield. The There's about a five-carry differential between the two, and that's enough to put a, a separation between a B grade and a C grade for Murray and Derrick Henry. Let's flip over to the Colts side. Jacoby Brissett was my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback. Dante Moncrief was Scott's take-a-chance-on-me wide receiver. What about T.Y. Hilton? A grade for T.Y. Hilton in this one. Deep speed receivers have killed the Titans all year. All of these guys have posted big games. Paul Richardson, speed guy. Will Fuller, speed guy. Mike Wallace, speed guy. A.J. Green, speed guy. Antonio Brown's a speed guy. Tennessee secondary has already allowed 15 touchdowns to wideouts. That is the most in the NFL. T.Y. Hilton, A grade. Last guy I'll mention from the passing game is Jack Doyle. Doyle has logged a 100% snap share in four of the past five games, so he'll get plenty of action and plenty of volume against Tennessee's secondary. In week six against the Titans, Doyle caught seven passes and scored a touchdown. He also had a nine-catch game against the Titans uh, last season as well, so I like Jack Doyle a lot. He gets a B grade. And then the whole pa- the whole running game is deeply on the bench. Frank Gore and Marlon Mack. The Titans' run defense is really good. They have not allowed a runner to exceed 80 rushing yards this season, only uh, given up three rushing uh, scores all season long. Gore has run for 80 yards just once all year. He hasn't scored since week three. Mack is the preferred option between the two because he can chip in with some receptions, and there's a chance the Colts will be playing from behind in this game, but he just doesn't get enough volume to be a safe start either. He's hit double digits in touches just three times and not at all since week eight, so you can't trust Marlon Mack either in that matchup we'll take a break when we come back another round of matchups for you including saints versus the rams find out if there is how safe is sammy watkins with robert woods out can you start him with confidence we'll find out when we come back you're listening to fantasy football weekly on the fan Weekly on the fan, Paul Chargian, Brian Johnson, Scott Fish with you. Lots of matchups to get to in this segment. Premature speculation and lightning round coming up. It'll be our final premature speculation of the year. And we'll make it a good one. We'll make it a doozy, as they like to say. Um, let's jump in with let's start with the matchups. Saints take on the Rams. It seems like uh, 
I've got the Saints running backs, both of them inside my top five. I don't think we even need to expound a lot on the running back opportunity here for the Saints and what should be a great game for both Ingram and Kamara. Yeah, no, they both have A grades for me. Rams are, you know, allowed the fifth most rushing yards, third most rushing touchdowns, definite A grades from them. So on to the passing game. Breeze has seen a little downtick in his numbers recently, but he's still getting it to to a good degree. 295 yards or multiple touchdowns mm-hmm. in nine of ten games. And this is the the week's highest Vegas over under at 54 and a half. I actually think it's going to be a shootout. So I'm still giving Breeze an A grade. He is he's still showing up. Even in that six touchdown rushing game, he got a rushing touchdown. He's finding ways to get numbers. Yeah. Uh Michael Thomas, eight targets in at least at least eight targets in nine games. Over 75 yards in seven games and at least six catches in five straight, I'm still giving him an A grade here. And he might be matched up against rookie undrafted free agent Dominic Hatfield, who is four or five inches shorter and 40 pounds less. Mm. Than. <laughs> so that's a good matchup for him there. A grade. I'm also weirdly giving Ted Ginn an A grade here. <laughs> it, it feels weird, but I, like I said, I think it's going to be a shootout. And over the last six games, He's averaging 70 yards per game, and that's that's actually brought down because one of those games was a disappearing act against Buffalo for three three yards. Um, The Rams have allowed 70 yards or a touchdown to five different wide receivers over the last three games, so multiple wide receivers are getting involved. And Ginn is probably going to be up against Tremaine Johnson, who's good coming into the year, highly Mm -hmm. rated coming into the year, but he's in the in the bottom 10, or the top 10, I guess, in most yards allowed to wide receivers, according to Steph Diggs, nuked him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, he's getting torched. Uh, So, A grade for Ginn there. Um, On the other side, I already think it's going to be a shootout, so I like Goff in this game. Uh, Four decent quarterbacks that have played the Saints, uh, Brady, Bradford, Stafford, and Cousins, Mm -hmm. all had at least 300 yards and three touchdowns. The Saints were, were held in check a bunch of crappy quarterbacks. I think Goff is more like the former, so I think he's going to have a good game here. His four best games came against bottom nine pass defenses. The Saints are better than that, but like I said, uh, I think he's going to have a good game here. Marshawn Lattimore and Ken Crawley are both out. Uh, those are their top two cornerbacks. They're already missing Alex Okafer. I have an A grade on Goff here. Mm. Uh, Cooper Cup, his main guy, I also have an A grade on. Four different slot receivers have top 70 yards, and three of them scored on the Saints. He only has three touchdowns, but he's fourth in the league in red zone looks. I think there's going to be some positive regression there. I'm st- I'm giving him an A grade. Sammy Watkins, you mentioned this before the break. Yeah, it's hard to trust him. Forty yards per game, a couple catches. Yeah, a game. two receptions per game on yeah. average. But boy, are the stars aligning for him to have a monster game here. Yep, Woods is out, and Greg Cosell was mentioning just this week that even with Woods in there. Watkins was getting open a lot. He just wasn't getting the targets. He should finally start to see those targets now. Yes. I'm giving him a B grade. And with Lattimore and Crawley out, I don't even yeah. know who they're covering him with. Exactly. There's no one to cover these I think guys. You, I think Watkins, I, I'd be tempted to go A grade, but I'm with you. B grade sounds right. Yeah, it, it, just the little bit of concern, a little bit of doubt that hangs from watching him all season, or watching his numbers all season anyway. Uh, Todd Gurley, also an A grade. He's pretty much matchup proof, but for this match, matchup specifically, all four running backs that had at least 20 touches against the Saints had over 120 total yards. Todd Gurley averaging 22 and a half touches per game. Wow. That's it. That's it. All right. Nicely done. That was a that was a meaty matchup right there. Yeah. Broncos take on the Raiders. Brian. Uh Paxton Lynch is at the helm. He's your take a chance on me, quarterback. I'm not nearly as confident, uh, but that hopefully you're right. 
How do you feel about his wide receivers then? If you're okay with Lynch, do you like Thomas and Sanders? Yeah, uh, well, Demarius Thomas, let's start with him. He might be the one guy who might actually miss Brock Osweiler because he scored in three straight games with a brick under center, but right. uh, brick, brick is on the bench where he belongs. Uh, Thomas did only have one catch for 11 yards when these teams met in week four, and he has not scored against Oakland since 2013. Yeah, But the Raiders have allowed six wide receiver touchdowns over their last four games, so Demarius is a safe B for me. Uh, as is Emmanuel Sanders, maybe a little less safe. Uh, he, too, was quiet in the week four meeting, only had four catches for 27 yards. And he hasn't scored uh, against Oakland since 2014. Mm. Uh, but again, uh, Oakland secondary has soured. Uh, in addition to those six wide receiver touchdowns they've allowed over the last four games, wide receivers are averaging 13 catches and 186 yards a game. So there's enough to go around for both Sanders and Thomas here. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Paxton Lynch might take a chance on my quarterback because in addition to the wide receivers, I do like Austin Trailer, tight end, uh, who made his debut last week for Denver. I'm going to give him a C. Uh, Came through somewhat in a tough matchup against the Bengals. Four catches for 36 yards. He outsnapped Virgil Green. Uh, even ran some boundary routes on the outside. Uh, intriguing little talent there. And uh, opposing tight ends are averaging more than five catches and 55 yards a game against Oakland. A.J. Derby had four catches for 75 yards and a touchdown in the Week 4 game. He has since been released. So it's uh, it's Austin Trailer time. Uh, go grab him now. The beat writers are big on. And uh, sometimes beat writers are right. Uh, Devontae Booker. Chargers take a chance on me running back. I'm yeah. with you there. I like him much more than C.J. Anderson, who I have on the bench. Uh, C.J. did find the end zone last week for the first time since week two, but lost a costly fumble in the fourth quarter. Uh, he did top 100 combo yards when these teams met in week four, but that was a long, long time ago. Booker's the guy uh, you want to start this week. Um, going over to Oakland, oh, man. Amari Cooper, pretty much always a C for me, in tough matchups at least. Uh, two catches for nine yards in the first meeting. Has never topped 60 yards against the Broncos in his career. Uh, and neither has Michael Crabtree, who I'm going to give a C too, along with uh, Cooper. Yeah. Crabtree missed the week four meeting, so he's yet to face Aqib Tlaib. Since last year's uh, chain snatching incident, uh, yes. if you recall, <laughs> yes. so that should that. be that should be interesting. Uh, but again, Crabtree has also never topped sixty yards against the Broncos. Uh, that is as a member of a Raider, as as a member of the Raiders. Uh, so history isn't on either of these receivers' side, but uh, you can start them both at a C level. I like Jared Cook away more than both. I'm going to give him an A. Uh, Denver has given up a touchdown to the tight end position in seven of ten games, and they've allowed seventy plus yards to five different tight ends this season. Uh, Cook only managed three catches for 46 yards against the Broncos earlier this year, but he was targeted eight times, and uh, you can expect similar volume there. Yeah, I've got Jared Cook as my number five tight end this week. Yeah, he's week. a great play. Uh, Derek Carr, not so much, though. Uh, I'm just going to give him a C here. The Broncos have allowed the most passing touchdowns in the NFL. Which, which is, is great, weird. But the third fewest passing yards. Yeah, go ahead. So, opposing quarterbacks are <laughs> yeah. very touchdown dependent. Uh, Carr, uh, this was the game where he hurt his back uh, back in week four. Mm -hmm. He was having a decent day with 143 yards and a touchdown and about a half of play. Um Bob does not like him a whole lot. He only saw Denver once last year, had 184 yards and zero touchdowns. Uh, but again, the secondary is taking a little bit of a step backwards with temporary expectations with Carr and certainly temper them for Marshawn Lynch, who I have on the bench. I know we were saying that Denver's run D has regressed, but it's really that the Philly game has propped up those opposing running back numbers. Joe Mixon, um, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, all held under 50 yards within the last four games. So uh, I got Lynch on the bench, who hasn't topped 14 carries since week one. Has actually only gotten to 14 carries twice this year. Mm. Only had nine carries for 12 yards in the first meeting, so I'm not liking Lynch. When we come back, our final two matchups, premature speculation, and your calls in lightning round for the big final segment of Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan.
Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan. Well, Charchi and Scott Fish and Brian Johnson with you. A bit the final premature speculation that we will do all year. These are guys you can pick up now that your opponents will be trying to pick up off the waiver wire next week, but they'll already be on your team. Scott. I'm going to go with the guy that Brian just gave a C grade to in Austin Trailer. Uh, like I plays said, what position for what team? Exactly. But most of our listeners are asking exactly. right now. Exactly, it's a it's a deeper it's it's kind of like when I said my first week here, Tyler Croft. Five of his nine matchups going forward were great. Uh, he's paid off a lot of weeks. This is going to be Austin. Good. Yeah, this is going to be Austin Trailer. Uh, his next five games going through week sixteen. Uh, trailers next five games include four teams in the bottom 10 against tight ends and three teams in the bottom five. The one team that isn't has allowed five touchdowns to tight ends over the last seven weeks. Wow. So they're bad too. Right. Uh, like he's like, uh, Brian said, he's a good matchup even this week against the Raiders. All right. All right. Speaking of uh, good matchups for tight ends, I got Ben Watson, who's got uh, starting next week uh, a good matchup in three of his next four games. And uh, Ben Watson, by the way, at least five catches in three of his last five. So he has been somewhat somewhat involved. But uh, starting next week, he has Detroit, then at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, and Indy outside of Pitt. Uh, that's three plus matchups for tight ends. Detroit has given up the fourth most yards to tight ends. Cleveland is just Cleveland. That's a honey hole matchup for uh, tight ends. And then Indy is ranked 26th in defending tight ends by Football Outsider. So Ben Watson for you, tight ends streamers out there it's all tight ends i've got another one bears rookie tight end adam shaheen shaheen was a second rounder and he's now your starting tight end for the bears because of uh, zach miller's brutal injury and in the two games without miller he's posted respectable numbers 39 yards and 41 yards with a touchdown last week and the schedule is very favorable including next week against the 49ers when he'll he will arguably be my take a chance on me receiver adam shaheen then, also later, he gets Detroit. He gets Cleveland's a super-plus matchup for Adam Shaheen. Young quarterbacks like Mitch Trubisky love to dump off to their tight ends. Shaheen's going to be the he's really last man standing. So, spot starter for the rest of this year and a regular starter next year for those of you in Dynasty and Ooh. Empire Leagues. Adam Shaheen might be a guy you're glad you have in subsequent seasons. All right, let's get to our final two sets of matchups. Texans take on the Ravens. Now, the Ravens just shut out the Packers. They've shut out three teams this year. This could be the fourth. I don't like the way this shapes up at all for Houston. I got a couple of wobbly starting grades, and that is it. DeAndre Hopkins gets a B grade. Targets won't be a problem for for him. They never are, but he's got the Ravens, and they've allowed just five touchdowns to wide receivers all year. Hopkins lines up on the left side of the field for the majority of his routes, and that means he draws Jimmy Smith, whose pro football focus is number sixth-ranked cornerback. I don't like the matchup. It's a B grade out of volume and respect to DeAndre Hopkins, but if it were anybody else, we'd be talking about a C or a bench. I've got a barely C grade on Lamar Miller. Since the return of, of, of defensive lineman Brandon Williams, the Ravens have been the NFL's best rush defense. Listen to the last three games in rushing yards allowed for the Ravens. 45 total rushing yards, then 45 total rushing yards, then 56 total rushing yards. That's it. The only positive here for Lamar Miller, and no touchdowns in any of those games, um, the only positive for Miller is that DeAnta Foreman is out of the lineup and he's done for the year, so Miller's going to get more touches. But I I don't know that matters. I mean, Jamal Williams last week got 18 touches, and he was good for three yards per carry with it, and that's it. So Foreman was the the shortest-lived peacock of all time. (laughs) That was a short-lived peacock. 
Uh, so, yeah, that's it. Lamar Miller, barely a C grade. Everybody else is on the bench, including Will Fuller, who may be able to return from injury. But he's going to draw a tough matchup with Brandon Carr. And most importantly, Tom Savage has shown very little ability to feed anybody other than Hopkins. So I can't I can't recommend starting him here. And then Tom Savage is on the bench, obviously. Let's go to the Baltimore side where it's a bunch of players who I really like. Highest grades of the year for a bunch of guys. Joe Flacco, solid B start. He's showing signs of improvement with at least one score in each of the last four uh, four games. The yardage totals still aren't good for Flacco, but completions are up. And then I love the matchup. Over the last five weeks, Houston ranks dead last in passing yardage allowed by 50 yards per game over the next closest <laughs> defense. That bad. And they've allowed the second most passing touchdowns over the last five weeks. Flacco, solid B starter here. Things we never say. That means I like his receivers, Jeremy Macklin, and I like Mike Wallace as well. Macklin operates out of the slot. That means he's going to get Kareem Jackson, who ranks 107th at the position by pro football focus. Macklin is seeing seven targets per game over the last month. That should be enough to get him involved. Mike Wallace was my take-a-chance-on-me player last week in which he scored a touchdown. He's going to do it again this week. Wallace has scored in two straight as a touchdown or 100 yards in four of his nine games, speed is killing this Houston defense. Paul Richardson, recent touchdown. T.Y. Hilton, recent touchdown. Sammy Watkins, recent touchdown. All speed guys that have been able to beat Houston. He will as well. Then there's uh, let's uh, Ben Watson. You want to talk? You like Ben Watson, right? Not so much. I just said I next week. Yeah, all right, next know, week. I don't. I don't love week. him this week either. Uh, Houston's a, a re- has been bad against tight ends. Ricky Seal Jones got two touchdowns last week, but you know, in a pinch, I could see Watson here. But I've got a bench grade on him. Let's go to the running backs. Alex Collins gets a C grade. This is a tough matchup. Houston is Houston's basically great against the run and terrible through the air. And it's you're going up against a team that's allowed the fourth fewest rushing yards and just one touchdown on the ground all year. So. Alex Collins, I think you're looking at 60, 70 yards, maybe, and no touchdown. That's it. Danny Woodhead. The Ravens say they're taking Woodhead off his pitch count. That's great news. Flacco has peppered his running backs with passes all year long, and I I like that part of this. I like the volume. But Houston's loved the third fewest running back receptions and the fourth fewest receiving yards to running backs. So I don't know that the volume translates into a ton of productivity for one of my favorite players, Danny Wood, had just a C grade, but it's he he was I had him on the bench for a while and I talked myself into a C grade. That's it. Final matchup before we get to lightning round. Jaguars taking on the Cardinals. Fortunately, this shouldn't take too long. This is not a diverse Jaguars no. offense. No, only a couple starting grades in, in on both these teams. Honestly, uh, I'm benching the entire Jags passing game. Uh, Bortles hasn't had more than one touchdown in a game in over two months at this point, Man. which is just terrible. But it's because they're a run team and they're all they don't defense. bother to pass. No, yes. they've well, attempted the fewest passes in the NFL. The Jags have right. that game was uh, in London, so it doesn't count. The multi-touchdown game. Yes, yes exactly. So uh, even though the cards are bottom ten against the pass, uh, I don't think it matters here. I'm benching that. Uh, Marquise Lee, the only one worth starting, is against Patrick Peterson and dinged up, benching the whole passing game. Uh, Fournette, I'm giving an A grade to, though. Five running backs with 20 touches against the Cardinals have averaged 110 yards, and of those five running backs, three of them scored. Mm. Uh, Fournette does get the volume to to make a play here. I think he's still going to get it's a, it's a softer A, but it's an A grade still. Yeah. On the Cardinals' side, 
I'm benching Gabbert because he's playing the Jaguars. I, I don't think there's much else oh, to say about that. Revenge I, game, man. Come on. Yeah, there is that. There is that. Yeah, there uh, is that for sure. Uh, no Jalen Ramsey. I don't nope. think it matters. Nope. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Fitzgerald wouldn't have say, seen A.J. Bouye or uh, Ramsey anyway. He's no. in the slot. Yep. Colden. Uh, over the last three games, 11 targets per game. Three wide receivers have hit double-digit targets against the Jags. Two of them had over 80 yards, the third, 55, and a touchdown. I think there's actually a reasonable chance Fitzgerald has an okay game here. Okay. I'm giving him a B grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, John Brown against Bouye, no. no. <laughs> uh, Gresham and Seals-Jones, I'm I'm benching. I'm not chasing Seals-Jones points. The Jags have allowed one tight end over 50 yards since week two, one tight end touchdown since week three. I'm just going to throw this out there, though. If Gabbert and Seals-Jones becomes an actual thing, those third stringers, yeah. They play the Broncos Week 15 and the Giants Week 16, the two worst teams against tight ends. So keep an eye on that, but uh, probably not. Benching Peterson, he's been absolutely terrible against anything but the best of matchups. Tip of the hat to the undefeated Eden Prairie Eagles, my alma mater, 13-0, and the Class 6A championship uh, last night. Congratulations to Mike Grant on his 11th state title. Remarkable for a team that, when I went there, could not beat Glencoe. Couldn't. Glencoe owned us. So did Hutchinson. So did Shakopee. So did everybody. So was you leaving the catalyst? I think that might have been. I think that was what they really needed. It's lightning round. You know how this works. One question and one question only, and then we move on to our next caller, and we begin with Brandon, who's been on hold basically all show. Thank you for your patience. I appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, Standard league, Dion Lewis or Joe Mixon? All right. Uh, I'm sticking with Lewis. I like the matchup better, and Mixon just, I don't, I hate that offensive line. Connor, you are next. Yo, you guys already made this hard for me. Uh, Jarvis Landry or Muhammad Sanu? All right. I got to go with Landry in your shoes, man. You gave an A to Sanu. Or some one of you two gave, gave an A I to Sanu. I did give an A, a to Sanu, yeah. but did you say Landry's matchup proof? Landry's matchup proof. He is kind of matchup proof, but is he Matt Moore proof? We'll find out, I guess. Mm. Nick, hello. Nick? All right, let's move on. Brian, you're on the fan. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I have, I have the question of the week for you. All right. Cam Newton or Matt Ryan? Uh, I'm going to take Cam Newton because of the rushing touchdowns. He's the last three weeks he's averaging 70 rushing touchdowns. Sorry, rushing yards, rushing yards a game, and that's a huge differential. You're you're practically getting we're back to where you're getting running back numbers out of Cam Newton's legs. Leads the again. NFL in attempts and rushes. Yeah, rushing uh, Cabe, you are next. Uh, in a 50-50 non-PPR league. At quarterback, do I start Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota? Right. Mm, I like Mariota's matchup a, a lot better this week. Mark, you're it's next. The Colts. Hello, I've got uh, to figure out whether to do Paul Richardson in San Francisco or Devontae Adams in Pittsburgh. Oof, that's tough. I still got to go with Devontae just for like the red zone volume. And garbage and, time. And garbage time, yeah. He's getting a lot of targets here. Yep. Jeff, you're next. Good morning. Good morning. Um... I need a lot of points. I'm behind right now. Cam Newton or Ben Roethlisberger? Ben's my number one quarterback. And I know Cam could have a two-rushing touchdown game, and you could move the needle that way a lot. But 
the best. I mean, this is this is the best matchup of Ben's of Ben's and season. Roethlisberger at home in November, December. He, over the last couple of years, he's averaging over three hundred and thirty yards and multiple touchdowns per game. It's uh, three. It's almost three fifty and three touchdowns a Jesus. game in November, December games high. of the last two years. I think that's a Jay Clemens stat. Yeah, uh, Mark, you're next. Devontae Adams or Michael Crabtree? All right. I think it was Fish's turn, but uh, I'm going right. Adams, too. I don't, yeah, it would don't be like Adams, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Josh, you're next. Yeah, I was going to Alex Collins or Rex Burkhead. <laughs> yeah. PPR or non-PPR? Non-PPR, standard. Yeah, well, then I'm going to take Collins. Yep. And, and, and He's a safe bet for this. more touches, too. Yeah. Uh, Austin, you're next. Corey Davis or DeAndre Hopkins? All right. Whoa. <laughs> they both got B grades, so I did both that, of those That's guys. weird because I love Davis this week. Do you have any other options? No. Uh, I'm probably sticking with Hopkins. Uh, it's it's not a great matchup, but he's going to get peppered with targets. Yeah, and neither was against Patrick Peterson last week. Yeah, exactly. It didn't so, matter. Yeah, you you end up Peterson. Joe Sixpack, you are next. Uh, PPR, McCaffrey, or Dion Lewis? Ooh. Oh, I think this is an easy Deion Lewis. I do too. We're nervous about McCaffrey. Only, it's only easy because of Olsen's return might uh, hamper. Uh, Jets are top five against the Rams. Yeah, they were, yeah, they've been good anyway over the last five weeks. Aaron, I think I hung up on you by accident earlier, so I apologize, Aaron. No, don't worry about it. What have you got? Um, I've got. I heard a Jai. I heard a Jai. What was the other part? You can't do three, I, Aaron. Do you want me to answer? Yes. Uh, I'd go Corey Davis on that. Only because Aaron, I know Aaron was on hold from the beginning of the show. That's the only reason I'm letting him. Only reason I'm letting him break the rules. Our final caller will be Craig. Hello. Hello, final caller. Frank Gore or one of your take a chance on me guys? Oh, any of the take a chance yeah, on me guys. Any of I've the got a solid chance. bench on Frank Gore agree. this week. Yes. Um, especially mine, Devontae Booker. I like mine. I really do like yours. Full I PPR, do. I like Duke Johnson just a little more, though. Do you? Yeah. All right. That's fine. Whiteboard bet? Whiteboard bet that. that no, let's do great. a whiteboard bet on if all If you miss any part of the show, check out the podcast at KFAN.com. We encourage you to check out Fanball and learn about the Fanball number and the difference it makes to play daily fantasy sports there. We encourage you to do that as well. Uh, podcast is going up when, Tony? The minute you're done talking. The minute we're done. I, you know, it tw- something always seems like there's always a hiccup somewhere in the process, but it won't be because Tony didn't post it. Uh, coming up next is? Go for football pregame. Go for football pregame. Stay tuned for that. Bye-bye. You're listening to The Fan.